Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Love is Everywhere, the podcast. Uh, our guest today is Craig Fay. I'm so excited for you to, to hear this episode. He was just the ultimate first guest. Uh, love this guy to death. Love talking to him uh, off air and on air. Uh, yeah, great comedian, great guy all around. Uh, this was a fantastic episode. We got into self-love, uh, self-image, uh, professional self-esteem, I guess, is the best way that I could put it. Um, we talk about uh, expressing anger, insecurities. It's just like a really packed episode. Uh, so can't wait for you to hear it. And uh, please check out Craig uh, all over the place. Uh, he's performing all the time. He's got an album out on iTunes called Helicopter Rich. You can check that out. He's also the host of the Villain Was Right podcast uh, that looks at movies and TV shows from the villain's perspective and dares to ask if they're really all that bad. Uh, you can also catch him performing live at the Comedy Nest in Montreal from September 12th to 15th, so go check that out. All right, can't wait for you to listen. Craig Fay. Hey! Welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay, let's do like an honest how are you. Honest? Oh, geez. Yeah. An honest how are you? Yeah, how are you, honestly? Uh, uh, pretty good. I, I I, wasn't feeling so good and like, now I'm feeling pretty good. That's good. That's, honestly. Yeah, that's an honest. Yeah. All right. Uh, wasn't feeling so good earlier today or just in general? Like earlier this week, maybe? Or mm -hmm. like a week and a half ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe in line with the assignment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fair. The first half of the assignment that I gave you is pretty hard to get through. I know. Thank you for being a good sport about that. Yeah, no problem. Um, my honest, how are you? I'm doing awesome right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. What What's going awesome? I don't know. I just I feel great. I've been like, uh, I don't know, focusing on different areas of my life than I have been. Focusing more on like connection with others and. Uh, being more social and stuff like that, and that's helping. Okay. Yeah, I watched, yeah, yeah. I watched this talk. Um, I think it was a TED talk about uh, it's about addiction, but uh, it's. Have you seen this this uh, talk? A TED talk about uh, um. Oh, maybe, maybe. Like so, this guy talks about like uh, most of what we know about addiction comes from these studies that they did in like the seventies, I think, where they would take rats and put them in cages with two kinds of water one water was regular and then the other one had uh cocaine or heroin right and all of the rats got super hooked on the drug water and would die from overdoses like a hundred percent right and then this other scientist who i wish that i could remember his name for the sake of this story uh was <laughs> like well there's nothing else in the cage like there's nothing else for them to do other than drink this water yeah i was just gonna say that yeah, yeah. i was like yeah if you put me in a room with nothing but drugs drug water or water i guess i would do the drug water exactly. all the time so he was this other scientist was like well why don't we try this a different way so he made this uh, like rat enclosure that he called rat park and he just made it like rat paradise oh nice just like little ball pits a ton of spinny wheels like lots of toys lots of other rats for them to like be friends with and have sex with and they just had like a beautiful <laughs> very full rat life um and they did the same thing with the two kinds of water and in rat park 
barely any of the rats drank the drug water and the ones that did didn't become hooked on it and none of the rats died from overdose whoa isn't that fucked that's crazy yeah so i've watched that and it really like uh opened my mind a bit to what my cage has been like for the last while Ooh. so now i'm like trying to make my life rat park <laughs> so get, mostly i'm just some... spending a lot of time in a little ball pit yeah <laughs> wait do rats like ball pits or is that apparently your... that was one of the specific examples was wow. tiny little ball pits which the picture of a rat playing around in a tiny ball pit is really cute <laughs> very cute uh when it's a specifically designed rat ball pit yes not so cute when it is a, a, it's a children's <laughs> ball pit with rats in it with an undiscovered <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> a rat that you didn't know was in a ball pit yes exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah, fair yeah, yeah. surprise <laughs> rats are never fun no they're not <laughs> expected rats only please yes <laughs> but uh yeah so i've been trying to make my life a little more like rat park yeah in the last while hence why i'm going on all these dates I'm right going on you're dates. saying before you were you're going for dates yeah so i like was basically like voluntarily single for a good like nine months to a year yeah that's good like not dating just like figuring out how to be uh in my alone cage and be okay with that um and then now that i'm comfortable in my alone space now i'm uh putting other rats in the cage yeah that's good like you kind (laughs) of my whole life now is a rat (laughs) metaphor (laughs) i mean i do feel like that will fail you eventually but so (laughs) far so good um yeah, like it's it's like that. Like you want to make sure that your foundations are good, right? Exactly. You know, like you know, you're okay by yourself, and then add one, and then you just keep adding people until it topples down. <laughs> exactly. Well, I haven't had like in my adult life, I hadn't have haven't had a whole lot of time on my own. Like I've been in a lot of relationships back to back. Yep. And haven't had a long stretch like this where it's just me, maybe ever. So I kind of like made the conscious decision of like, let's try this out for a while. Yeah, that's probably good. Mm. I, yeah, I also have been um, like chronically in relationships. Yeah, you're for a relationship person. Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, you know, <laughs> it's nice. It is nice. <laughs> it is nice. <laughs> and like, I, I don't know. I know for me, like uh, where I find the most like meaning and fulfillment in my life is like through connection with other people. Yeah. Right. And that, so, like, having just casual, surfacey sort of relationships with people is not satisfying to me. I would rather be on my own than have like a half-hearted, like an acquaintance. Yeah. Right. So I like I get into like re- serious relationships. Yeah. I think for me, it's it's interesting because like you're like I'd rather be alone, and like I think I can like fall into a trap where I'm like, well, it's fine. I just be alone, and I I devalue those like casual acquaintances and mm-hmm. those like fret like those small friendships or just like how much that small human interaction actually does make it you does it matter happier still. or you know you're like oh i'm part of a community yeah and it's like would i step in front of a bus for any of these people maybe not but mm-hmm. you know you've asked somebody how the weather was today and you know you're not the only person that you've talked to or like your cat or something like that right like it's, it's very true yeah 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 so, yeah, I, I get, I can see, like, both sides, but, yeah. yeah. All right, let's get into your assignment. Do you want to explain the assignment I gave you, or would you like me to explain it? Uh, yeah, maybe you explain it, because, okay. like, I know I made a list, but I don't yeah. remember the original. So, <laughs> <laughs> the or- I could forgot. get out my yeah. phone right now and read <laughs> and exactly read what you texted me. just read it in my words, me. but yeah. in your voice? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so I gave you a two-part assignment. The first part uh, is, was, I imagine, not fun at all. Uh, the, the first part of your assignment was that you had to make a list of career-related fears. Yeah. Uh, so I gave you kind of like a, a list of sort of categories of what these assignments uh, tend to fall under. And uh, you picked one of these categories and you said that you would like to focus on uh, self-esteem and self-image in a professional context. Yeah. So I made you make a list of things that you are afraid of. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> make a list of fears. Uh, and then... Maybe let's maybe let's just go for that part first, and then I'll explain the second part. Sure. So how did that feel, making a list of your fears? Um, well, actually, weirdly enough, like I kind of just dashed out that list of fears pretty easily, and I was like, great. Because like, I think I got it done with like within a day, which like mm -hmm. for me, you know, procrastinating, and like I didn't have to do it for like another week. Like, it's yeah. amazing. I got it done at all. Uh, it was actually the next part that I put off until earlier today. <laughs> You know what? That doesn't totally surprise me because, uh, okay, so the second part of the assignment that I gave you was that you had to go through that list again and uh, go through each fear that you had listed and explain why that fear is unfounded or unreasonable um, and ideally address those things from a, a, an objective perspective. So trying to imagine mm. that you aren't talking to yourself, you're talking to a friend, you're taking the perspective of somebody who admires you yep. and wants the best for you. Um, and uh, it doesn't surprise me that that part was more challenging. Why is that? Because our fears are so readily accessible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like your fears are all like making that list could come very quickly because these are the things that probably play on a loop and you're like, your oh, brain. and now that we're th another thing and another yeah. thing and another thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, I've got endless ideas of things that I'm afraid of and fears and insecurities. Those come no problem. It's uh, the addressing them and unpacking them and figuring out uh, why those are unreasonable. That does seem like the more challenging part of it. Yeah. And that, I think also, like, I agree 100% with that. I think the other part of that was like, what if one of these fears isn't unfounded? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> what if I have no rational thing mm -hmm. to say? Um, and actually, one of them turned out that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it was a weirdly positive fear and a weirdly negative response. So, like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is something that I've done for myself before in times where I'm like especially nervous about something or right. feeling a lot of fear. Um, I've found it helpful to write down the fears that I'm feeling and then go through them in the way that I told you to. Even just the writing the fears down part can be very cathartic because sometimes uh, things sound reasonable when they're played only in our head. Mm -hmm. And then when you say the thing that you're feeling out loud or write it down, you kind of look at it a little differently and it sort of doesn't make as much sense as it did when it was in your head. Yeah, no. It, it, yeah. As soon as you say it out loud, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you say yeah. it out loud and then you're like, oh, that's not something no, to be afraid of. That way? <laughs> like, I don't need to think that. <laughs> what? <laughs> so do you want to share some of the things that you're afraid of? Uh, yeah. The, there's a cat sitting on my list currently. The studio a cat. A very there cute we go. cat. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I'll start, maybe I'll start off with that, like, uh, surprisingly negative or surprisingly positive fear and negative answer, Okay, cool. which was, uh, this was number, I, I did 10. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, let's see. 
No one talks about me behind my back, and so no one cares enough about me even to have an opinion about it. Oh, interesting. I see what you mean about that being like a weirdly positive (laughs) Right. Like, it's everyone would hate it if someone's talking about with them behind their back but like that fear is kind of just like oh i mean so little to anybody mm-hmm. career-wise that the, like why would they even bother yeah that there's <laughs> an idea of like uh <laughs> even though people gossiping about you isn't a pleasant thing i'm on people's uh, tongues you're on people's tongues yeah. you're um yeah relevant yes socially relevant in yes a i way. guess that's probably a better way to unpack that a couple other ones kind of like touched on that um, but like my response to that one was like, no, nah, people probably hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so like that was the weirdest one that I had to kind of deal with where I was like, yeah, people are probably talking shit about you. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that didn't make me feel any better now. That's yeah. a hard one to address also because you have no way of proving or disproving that. Right. Because uh, any room that you were not in, you don't know what's happening. And it's not like, yeah, and and presumably friends would not want to repeat that sort of thing to me if they yeah. ever heard it. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That was a weird one. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there a few other ones. Did you want me to read the other ones yeah, here? Yeah, whatever, like, one, whatever ones you want to share. Um, uh, uh, well, let's start at number one. So, like, uh, so I worried that I peaked in my mm-hmm. career. I feel like that's a very common one. Yeah. Yeah. Or, where I was like, all my best days are behind me and, mm-hmm. like, all my opportunities are behind me and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I kind of, like... The response to that was like, I was just like, uh, like no, I'm doing things now that I wasn't doing a year ago, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm like, I've got my podcast, you know, which didn't exist a year ago. Like we launched, like we're recording this uh, August, and like we launched in uh, October last yeah. year. So like in the past year, I've created something that's else. totally new and uh, like, exactly. yeah. And we just launched our Patreon for that one too. So it's like, okay, not only have we like launched it, and we've done you know, a lot of episodes, we've got enough following now that we're like, we're building that and I'm working on jokes for my next album. And like, you know, there's a couple that, you know, I'm really liking working on and doing, uh, uh, going out and doing mics and stand up and stuff like that. And I'm booking shows. Like it's all like, I haven't peaked because I'm still, you still doing, have momentum. Yeah. I'm working you still on, have a forward direction. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on a video project. Like, I actually have a lot of things on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, like, very easy to sort of think of your... So especially in, in, in comedy, stand-up, that's how we both know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very easy to be like, oh, you're not an up-and-comer anymore. And then you're just, like, in this big middle-of-the-pack like nothing. Totally. There's <laughs> a huge span of time in a, in a stand-up career where you are just in this middle section yeah. Right. Where like there's a, a certain energy when you very, very first start and then uh, a different place in your career when you're like 20 years in. Yeah. And then like every year in between is going to be like a totally different roller coaster. I'm like you like you've been doing it longer than I have and like are much farther ahead <laughs> than I am. So I can't really speak to what the place that you're in is like. But I know uh I remember I was in a car with Scott Belford once Yeah. Uh, on a way to a show and he asked me how long I'd been doing it. And at the time it was three years and he went, oof, that is a tough year. Yep. And he was like, you're not an open micer anymore, but you're not a pro. You're like starting to get good at it, but you're not really good at it yet. Like you're, it, you are sort of close to figuring out what your voice is, but you haven't quite reached it yet. It's this like weird transitional time. 
And I remember having this conversation with him and uh, I keep like a very detailed notebook. Mm -hmm. It's more like, it's like half joke notebook, half journal, almost like I would describe it as like a comedy journal. I like go in after every show that I do and I write about how it went, what worked, what didn't. Um, Very organized. I like it. Yeah. Well, I even like, I have my notebook here so I can show you visually, but to describe (laughs) to the listeners, this notebook is laid out exactly the way that I lay out my notebooks always, which is that there's like a little chunk at the top. So I go in and I write like, I write the date, I write what show I'm doing, how long sets are, if uh, there's anything notable about this show and anything different or special or anything notable about how I'm feeling going into the show. Then I write out the jokes I'm going to do, put them into a set order. And then I go in after the show and I write about how the show went, how I feel now, if there's anything uh, like unexpected or surprising, if something worked really well or really didn't work very well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, at the end of a notebook, I'll go through and I'll let myself like read through the notebook and kind of have a perspective on like, how was the time that this notebook covered? Like, ah, I like ha- that a lot. Right? And uh, so the notebook for the third year of doing stand-up, I was like, I got to the end of it and I was like, whoa, Scott Belford was right. <laughs> like, this was a tough year. Yeah, I, I would agree with him 100%. Like, I, I would say most people quit either right at the beginning, they do like one or two open mics and then like give up because, mm-hmm. you know, or they quit at year three or year four yeah. or somewhere in there. Or you find people taking breaks or mm-hmm. not coming out as much or like trying something else like in and around that because you kind of hit this. Um, I always described it as like uh, like when you first start out, there's so many accomplishments that you can make. Mm-hmm. Like when you first start out getting on stage, even just at any open mic, that's an accomplishment. That's a huge accomplishment. So like you do that. Congratulations. Uh, uh, you know, getting your first laugh, which can come months after your first time you sat on stage (laughs) that's your first accomplishment that Mm -hmm. first five minute bit that really works um that first time you get booked on a show like the first time you just you don't just show up and Mm -hmm. And sign up on a list sign up and get on and someone actually requests you that's big and there's all this like there's this hierarchy of like shows and rooms and stuff like that that you can kind of climb up on and then with by Year three, you've really it done all the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. Yeah, right? you get like a bunch of accomplishments back to back very quickly at the beginning. Right, and you where feel you really reach good. all these benchmarks. Yeah, and then there's nothing. It's yeah. like the long haul across the desert. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> and then yeah, years later, it's like club work, and you know, and then that's the slow climb and festivals mm-hmm. and and uh, showcases and and. Uh, radio and tv and all that stuff is like so far in the distance it's, mm-hmm. so it's like yeah it's a really fun like six months yeah. <laughs> oh boy so with this fear of like i fear that i've peaked do you find that you are generally a person who bases their value on accomplishments hmm <laughs> oh, that's uh, a loaded question. it's oof maybe yeah, I think I do the terrible thing where I uh, I see what other people are doing and try and, and yeah, be like, compare. well, that's where I should be by now, which is, you know, a trap. And I realize it's a trap, but... In like a, a micro way of looking at it, um, at the end of the day, do you place a judgment on how much did I get done today? How many things yeah. did I do today? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, if I get a lot done, then yeah, I feel like I've had a good day. Like today was a good day for me because like... I brought 
to pop up from my car. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> you achieved a task. I achieved a task. And yeah. like, I worked on like some video stuff and, um, you know, a whole bunch of other things that like, I, I sent some emails. Like, that's another thing. Like, if I send an email and I'm like, yeah, great. Like, yeah. I'm, d- I'm done. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So I guess I do that. And I, I kick myself a little bit when like, you know, there's a day that I've got, uh, super free and I don't fill with like getting everything done. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I swing back and forth. I also go like, yeah, like screw it. I'm just going to like lay around on the couch today and play video games all day. Mm-hmm. So, and then I guess later I feel bad about it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So that's the key part though, is like, is how you feel about those days that you take totally to yourself and off. Because it's a, a measure of, are you able to find value in taking time for yourself and relaxing and opting out of needing to accomplish things for that day? Or is it more like you're retreating from things and like hiding for a yeah, day? Yeah, th- that second one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where like sometimes there's this thing in my head where I'm just like, oh, you just really need to go and get this done. You wanted to get this done forever. Just mm-hmm. go and get it done. It's like, whatever you do, don't open up your laptop and start playing a video game. Whatever you do, don't do that. No, no. Like, I, I'm doing it like as I'm like, because I'm just like, well, you don't want to answer that email. That's going to take 10 seconds to answer. Yep. So like spend two hours doing something that you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Are you a perfectionist? Would you say? Uh, Are you yeah, unwilling yeah. to start something if you don't think you can do it the best way it can be done? To a certain extent. Yeah. I've been trying very hard to get over that where That's it's good. just like, 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 as I mentioned, like currently I'm working on this video project and it's probably a little too much for me, which is mm-hmm. good for you. That is which good. Which is good. Uh, like, I don't know videos, <laughs> so I'm learning <laughs> how to shoot things. I'm learning how to light things. I'm learning how to mic things. I'm learning how to, uh, and then on top of that, the project is that I'm, uh, I'm building a clock as I go, which I also haven't done. So there's like a whole bunch of like things that I'm learning as I go. And it's very much just like, if I, like, I, if, if I can't do this perfectly, like, if it doesn't look like Bill Nye, mm-hmm. you know, from the nineties, then, yeah. then what's the point? And I have to keep telling myself, let's just, just do it. If it turns out terrible, you can always redo it. But yes. like getting that done is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I relate to that very hard. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. you're a perfectionist as well. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, like, I am also like an achievement person. Where, like, I definitely base my value on how much I was able to get done and do. And I judge myself if I haven't done enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, being a perfectionist, it's like, I don't want to do something at all unless I know that I'll do it perfectly. Which is impossible. Which being, is impossible. You're and never going to do it right the no, first time. <laughs> of course not. And, like, what that ends up uh, looking like for me is that I just won't attempt things if I don't think that I'm going to be really good at it immediately, which to be honest, I'm floored by the fact that I even started doing stand up at all. That's like, because I historically have never done anything unless I'm brilliant at it immediately. Like I'll yeah. never be able to play an instrument well because you have to be really bad at an instrument for a really long time. Sure. And it's the same thing with stand-up. So I don't know what it was about stand-up that enabled me to keep doing it. I think it's that every every time you get off stage, this slate is wet clean and you get to start over again. That's true. So like to, to any one individual audience, you've always been good at this. Yeah. Right? And it's like if you screw it up, you're just like, well, that's over now. That's gone. No one's going to remember this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's 
just go and get it perfect the next time. It's like it's it's a weirdly I I realized that part when I went to go record my album, which was like, oh shit, no, like this has got to be the final version of this because mm-hmm. this is get this gets you know pressed and sent out kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, that's it. These jokes are done now, but otherwise they're never done, right? Mm-hmm. You just keep working on them. And stuff that's like that. true. The like constant evolution and yeah. the fact that it's never finished. Hmm. That yeah, you're totally like a painting right. Painting is done at some point. Yes. Even if you screw it up. You go, well, that's that painting. Yeah. Take what I've learned from that and move on to the other one. Oh, you're right. So uh, it's probably that with jokes and with stand-up, I can be like, it's okay that it's not perfect because it's not done yet. But the thing is that it will never be done. Yeah. So that keeps me doing it because there isn't a fear of completing something and having it not be perfect. Yeah. It's just a constantly working on something that will never be complete. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Frank, you, you just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was thinking about it. It's like wipe the slate clean after every set, and yeah. it's like it's so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, something that's non permanent, ethereal. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Like it just it evaporates after it's done, right? Mm-hmm. There's no record of it happening unless you recorded it. Yeah, it's just There's out no, in the ether and like. Yeah exactly that, Impermanent. That, that audience will never be the same audience again and mm-hmm. they just like disperse and it's like it's it's chaos is what it is yeah just into the ether yeah that's the perfect Man. yeah love it um do you want to tell us another fear uh yeah 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 let's okay so let's uh, uh oh so um yeah so uh number two that's another good <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, what the early ones on the list are probably good that will all of them will be interesting in different ways the ones at the top of the list are the ones that came to you immediately right so there's something in that and then the ones at the bottom will be the ones you had to dig a little deeper for and that's interesting as well yeah so so yes maybe i'll do number two and then we can jump to like another one so number sure. two is i've squandered all the opportunities i've ever been given oh that's a huge one yeah um and so what did i say to that one uh I was like, yeah, uh, like there are opportunities that I could have capitalized on more, but I also made like choices, you know, and there were, there were, you know, things that I wasn't able to capitalize on because I was working full time, but Mm -hmm. being able to work full time has now put me in a position where I can take other opportunities and other risks now. So it's like a trade off and also just like you didn't squander those opportunities. Like if you tried it just didn't happen exactly you know as long as you are doing the best that you can in the circumstances that you're in right then there is no way for you to have done anything more than that right like if you're working full-time and trying to do stand-up then yeah you've got a split focus and so an opportunity that you're given maybe you aren't able to uh reach what you would have been uh, like would have been your ideal in your mind that like now you could approach a, an opportunity with more energy and enthusiasm than you would be when you're working at an office job full time. as yeah. well. And, and also just, you know, I, I'd be, I'm better equipped now to mm-hmm. deal with those things. Like I've learned things, you know, as the thing is like some of these opportunities I wasn't ready for, Yeah. you know, like, like, would you rather be, um, you know, be given an opportunity two years in or, seven years in it's like yeah maybe you could pull it off it too but you're doing it by the skin of your teeth Mm -hmm. but you get it seven years in it's like oh i can do much better at that right because you have the practice you have all that so it's Mm -hmm. just like it's it's i guess trying to 
frame it in that like they're not these like once in a lifetime yes. things where it's like your entire career or life hinges on this one moment and will you or will won't you like no you have to the, live with like an attitude of abundance yeah that there will always be more and that you're never going to run out of right. opportunities so Eminem lied to us when he said you got <laughs> you one, don't have one, one shot. shot. You got <laughs> one so many more shots. <laughs> Just like you said, he would have gone up there, puke all over his sweater. Yeah, mom spaghetti. Did a terrible rap battle and then uh, the audience goes home and forgets about it completely and then he gets another chance the next time. Exactly. But that doesn't go as well in the rhythm of a song. No, that's true. <laughs> and I'm sure Eminem now... You only get... Uh, endless oh, shots God's forever sorry. into eternity because uh, life is abundant and, <laughs> and eventually people will get kind of tired of yeah. your shit but like you know hopefully you'll learn and grow and try new things after that like I think Eminem now rap battling himself from the 8 mile days would destroy him you know would absolutely destroy him you guy only got one opportunity and your future self just yep. owned you <laughs> life is abundant life is uh, abundant <laughs> there is more of everything to come always yeah yeah so that was a that was like a that was a tough one to to, to figure out it is a tough um, one let's see what other ones uh so number, let's jump to number 10 for a second sure. just to like contrast so, so i'm not a good writer i occasionally produce well-written stuff but I'm slow and focused. I have no process and I can't translate that to other things. Ooh, that's a lot. That's like a lot of fears all in one fear. Yeah. And that comes from like people will tell me, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're such a good writer. Mm -hmm. And like that just I'm, I don't. It activates a fear in yourself. Exactly. I'm like, well, you have no idea. Like yeah. I go to the library and I stare at my piece of page <laughs> and like, uh, you know, I don't produce you know, jokes fast enough. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I'm not writing screenplays. I'm not writing novels. I'm not writing, uh, you know, kids cartoons. I'm not doing all these other things because all you see is mm -hmm. the, the, these like brief little jokes that kind of work that are like top of a pile of shit. Oh man, you are so an achiever kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody gives you an accomplishment on something that you objectively have achieved if somebody if somebody tells you they're a good writer it's because they heard something that you wrote in whatever your process was to get it out yeah and that they appreciated it and saw an amount of quality in it and then you look at it and go no but i haven't achieved all these other things and it's not perfect and the way that it came out isn't the way that i wanted it to come out like you're so critical of your own process in that yeah and i think really like thinking about it, it really comes down to I'm not as efficient as I want to be mm -hmm. but like and my response to that was like that pile of shit that you produce where that there's that one nugget of truth or, or beauty at the top of it that's the process that man the that's process. like <laughs> that's just how art works yeah <laughs> like, exactly. you have to keep telling yourself yeah. that you're like oh oh you thought that joke was well written but you didn't see how many times I did a bit that didn't work or mm -hmm. that I thought was really funny. That wasn't going to work. Like, uh, I remember like, and <laughs> this, this just reminds me of the story, you know, George Burgess, mm -hmm. uh, he came up to me. He's like, Oh, I think I saw you do, um, this one bit about like cutting up apples with a knife at an open mic once. I was like, 
oh yeah like i did that like <laughs> twice it tanked every time and he's like i loved that that was so good and i was just like what is that like that's that was something i'd thrown on the pile long ago mm-hmm. and then you have someone be like that was really funny i was like what is life even like what is what is this so did you ever listen to um that audio clip from Ira Glass talking about the creative process. Oh, this is the um, when you start off, your taste is really good. Yes. Your, your, yeah, yeah. Maybe what what was it? So, um, if uh, listeners haven't listened to this before, go look up Ira Glass creative process uh, and listen to this audio clip. But uh, yeah, it's basically about like nobody tells you when you start out that your taste level is going to be so much higher than your skill level for such a long time. Right. Right. That like the reason why you're even interested in making any kind, whatever kind of art it is that you make is because you can see what's really good. You have a good discerning eye for the quality of things. And, but you have to be really bad at something for a really long time before your skill level is going to meet the level that you have uh, in terms of taste, mm-hmm. meaning that you are going to be extremely critical of yourself for a really long time because you can you know what's good, so you know that the stuff that you're making is not good or is not as good as you want it to be. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, you approach everything with like a super critical eye. But what he says in that is like the key to reaching your taste level is you have to make a bunch of garbage. Right. And like the thing is with stand up is like it's a constantly renewing cycle. Right. Where like for every good joke that you have, there's a pile of garbage underneath. it. <laughs> it's not like you make a bunch of garbage for years and then everything you make is gold. It's like every joke you make has a giant pile of garbage behind it's it. It's literally turning over compost. Yes, it's like it is. there is just manure under. This. Yes. <laughs> We forget because we were able to grow grass on it for a little while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a terrible, awful process. And like, but the, the crazy thing is, is I look back and I go, yeah, but about those first four years, I did junk everything. Like, I look mm-hmm. back at that now, and I was like, I, it got me to a certain point, and like, got me on certain people's radar. But like, when I recorded my album, I used nothing from those years. Yeah. Like, I think I think there was one joke, which is the easiest joke in the world and i hate that i did it and it serves as a good opener Mm -hmm. that was maybe like 10 years old when i recorded it and then everything else was like you know seven or you know six or seven years old like it's it's crazy Mm -hmm. insane do you want to give us another fear uh yeah uh let's see uh oh okay uh this one's like so this is number nine uh i'm now the person you need to respond to so so like, oh, we don't need to return Craig's emails. We don't need to message him back. Like, what we... Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, my response to that is, like, everyone's busy. Yeah. And I've tried to make a habit now more about, like, uh, following up with people. Yes. <laughs> and everyone, whenever I do that, everyone's very apologetic. Sometimes they miss the message. Yeah. Sometimes whatever. And they're always very happy to... To usually give me what I'm asking for, you know, like a spot somewhere or like mm-hmm. a contact or something like that. But I think for a very long time, I sort of sent things out and been like, well, I don't want to bug people. Yep. And oh, turns man, out, you and I are very similar in yeah. a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember having this conversation with somebody once about like uh, some show and it was like, oh, yeah, like I messaged that person. They never got back to me. 
Yeah, the person was like, oh, yeah, same with me. I just like had to keep hounding them about it. And I was like, it would never occur to me to hound someone. <laughs> like it would never to follow up more than once, even to follow up once with somebody and be like, hey, just wanted to see if you read this message. Yeah. Yeah. I They'll just be like you're being needy. I, exactly. I make the same assumption that you do. Have you ever read um, The Four Agreements? No. Oh, it's very worth a read. Um, but yeah, one of these like four agreements is don't make assumptions, mm. uh, which is something that is very hard to do. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have like uh, a very vivid imagination and make all kinds of assumptions all the time. Sure. So the assumption when you send out an email or something like that and somebody doesn't get back to you is I'm not worth responding to. They read this and didn't think it was worth a reply. Uh, they don't want to give me a spot on this show or give me this contact that I'm asking for. So they're just choosing to not address it at all when really like it's dangerous to make those kinds of assumptions because you have absolutely no idea what it was. Just like you said, maybe they didn't see the email. Maybe it was just like, yeah, you, you, you don't in know. An inbox exactly. Well, and like there was a great quote I remember, which is, uh, this is really stuck to me is never attribute to malice. What you can attribute to busyness. Yes. Right? That's great. Like nobody, the, the reason that they didn't respond to your email isn't because they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they got busy and didn't respond to your email, right? Yeah. And I think it's just hard for me, like coming from like a more corporate business world where mm. it's like sending emails is all I really did all day, right? Which <laughs> you should mean I'm very... sending emails. <laughs> like, yeah, basically I would send emails asking people to do their job so I could mm. do my job, right? And it was a very, like, it was a very much a fuck you if you didn't respond to somebody's email. Like yeah. that was almost your primary job was like, Make sure at the end of the day, all the emails have been responded to or flagged for follow up mm. or like so like in the entertainment industry where absolutely everything is a free for all and like nobody has inbox management systems. No, or like, <laughs> no. you know, it's like, yes, I'm never going to hear back from people <laughs> unless I email them four times and they like see that long thread of like, oh, you're responding to a message that I never responded to, mm -hmm. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. You know, what's funny is I find that like uh, so I also have this fear, this same fear, um, and I find that it works in the in the inverse as well, uh, that it makes me very conscious of responding to every message, every email that I get yes. quickly because my mind goes, Oh, if I don't, if I don't respond to their email, then they're going to assume that I, that I don't like them or that I, I think that I'm too good for whatever. Or like, I don't know. I get it all in my head about assumptions that they're going to make about me for not responding. To yes. Their yes. 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 So I, I do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you good. Cause like if I emailed you, you'd get yeah, right back to me. I would. We, We'd be like, we're good. Mm -hmm. We don't hate each other. <laughs> good response. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you like a people pleaser kind of person in general? Do yeah. You yeah. Of course. Of Big course. enthusiastic yes for that one. I think the, uh, the only reason I stayed at my job as long as I did was I was worried about disappointing people. Mm -hmm. Or like I didn't care about the work at all. Like I found it actually very disheartening and depressing. Uh, but... Uh, I didn't want to like, and people were just like, well, why don't you just like slack off and like not do anything until you got like fired? And I was like, oh no, 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 God. because then people no. would be disappointed in me. Absolutely not. Like, am I doing my best work all the time? No, but I can't let anybody down. No. 
Like even even when I quit my day job to go pursue comedy, there was like this one project that I'd been like constantly putting on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And like I was so nervous about handing it off to somebody else because then I was like, they're going to realize they haven't done anything on Mm -hmm. this. And of course, it's a project that nobody had done anything on. Right. Like (laughs) I handed it off in there. I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't do anything on this. And they're like, of course not. That's fine. You're leaving. Like, Mm -hmm. just go. And uh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely a people pleaser for sure. Oh, man. Okay, so I know that you didn't take the test that I sent to you. Yes, because there's too many ads. <laughs> there were too many ads on the page. I couldn't... <laughs> so you have I, to go back and do it. I don't know what it. personality type that was, but I was like, I loaded it up and I was like, answer this question. I was like, this. And I was like, no, that's an ad for a Ford. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, next to get the next thing. And then I was like, no, that's another ad. For, it's like one okay. of those things that requires yep. like six clips for a question. I was like, I don't have the patience for this. See I you later. will find you one with fewer ads <laughs> and I'm going to make you take this test. Um, uh, I won't get into it like super hard, but for anybody who knows it, it's the Enneagram. Uh, so it's like a, a personality categorization uh, to put it really broadly, sort of like a Myers-Briggs kind of mm. situation. Have you ever done the Myers-Briggs test? I don't think I've done that one either. No? That one was really interesting. Uh, although my response was kind of depressing. Um, I am an INFJ, uh, which it said is the rarest personality type, which I was like, Sick. cool, uh, nobody's like me. <laughs> and then I, like, I kept reading it and like the description of the personality was extremely accurate. And then it goes into like, by the way, this is a very lonely person to be. Oh, no. <laughs> Where it's like, you are really hard to understand, and uh, no one else is really like you, so you're going to be really lonely a lot of the time. And I was like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> my love for being an individual, uh, but then also my fear of not belonging. <laughs> <laughs> All at the same time. But yeah, to go back to the Enneagram, I think that you and I might be the same type. Yeah, I wouldn't be. Which is why I was interested for you to take it, Um, because yeah, everything that you're saying right now. So, so was that the one that you're talking about? Where like you, you like that you just said that you know you're rugged, like you're you're gonna be alone. Like, am I? No, 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 no. You're you're damning me to a lifetime of loneliness. Um, But uh, (laughs) the the personality type in the enneagram that I am, like, oh, it would be too much for me to get into like the explanation of this, but. yeah, the uh, wanting to base your success on the next thing and having accomplished things, wanting mm. to please everyone around you. Yeah. Um, do you find that you're like a like a social chameleon kind of like do you when you're in an environment, do you adapt yourself to fit the environment? You might notice this in friendships. If you have friends who are very different from each other, do you kind of become a different version of yourself depending on which friend you're with? I mean, I can, but I feel like... Uh, I feel like for the most part, you know, we all do that a little bit. Yes, like you all, like, absolutely. And, and oh, the people who can't are just the worst. Yes, like, they learn. are. <laughs> and they make terrible comedians because yeah. they can't adapt to different audiences. Well, not only like, that, I but only just, have this mode. Just know that like meeting parents and Ooh, like yeah. job interviews and hanging out with your buddies are all different energy levels <laughs> yes. that you get to bring to things. It's so an important like, skill. So like in that sense, yes, I yeah. obviously adjust my behavior mm-hmm. based on like where I am and who I'm with. But like, also, I think maybe at this point in my life, I've just accumulated friends 
who are all similar enough that I don't really have to switch it up. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm not sure about that one. I definitely feel like I've got days where I'm on mm-hmm. and I can definitely engage with anybody and everybody and I can be very social. And then days where it's like I'm walking through a, a haze and I can't, like, there's just this, like, miss yeah. where I just, like, can't connect with people in any real way. And I've mm-hmm. never been able to to figure out what that is. Yeah, I might described be that as, like, running in mud. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. Where yeah. you just, like, can't quite access that part of yourself that is uh, so easy to adapt to a situation and connect with the person in front of you. Or, like, yeah, it just feels like you're... Th- your mind is just a mud that you're trying to run through. Yeah. Like sometimes it feels really sharp and you're just like, Oh, I'm like witty and I'm the life of the party. And And it's all coming so easily. You're just laughing and I'm laughing and it's Mm -hmm. all good. And other times you're like, so like, what it, what did you do today? (laughs) 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 But yeah. Oh man though. Those times when you're just really in flow. Yeah. And you're just on. Yeah. That feels so good. I remember talking to my therapist once about uh i think it was maybe like at the beginning of a new friendship or something and me saying like yeah we we hung out and i just felt like so like on you know i'm like like exactly what you just described of like oh like banter back and forth and like i felt so like witty and on and and stephanie was like oh that sounds exhausting my therapist and i was like no that's the best <laughs> i was like maybe when i'm on that's when i feel the most myself and he was like oh that's really interesting <laughs> but i mean I, like i think like everybody's like feels on or off like no yes. it's not like no, a regular no, yes okay <laughs> well i think also like uh when you're talking about any kind of like trying to like fit yourself into some sort of category mm. or anything like there's of course going to be overlap and I think like in any anything like uh, like the Enneagram or like astrology or things like that, any healthy person is going to be able to see a little of themselves in all of the categories. Right. Right. Because you're able to kind of flow through different parts of yourself and things. I don't know. I've been having a lot of astrology-based conversations lately because a lot of my coworkers are really into it. <laughs> and I, oh, boy. <laughs> and I know, like, okay, I'm a very, like, pragmatic and rational person. Yeah. So uh, there's a big part of me that goes, like, yeah, probably all bullshit, right? Like, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I don't think that we're, like, controlled by the stars or anything. But I do think that things like astrology... Um, in terms of like just what your zodiac sign is and stuff like that are valuable in a way because they give us a tool to communicate who we are to other people, you know, that like Mm. looking at a, looking at a description of like, I'm a Virgo, for example, if I look at a description of what a Virgo is, maybe it's not like, Oh, this is everything that I am and I am nothing but this, but it gives me uh Oh, I can say I am like this. I am not like this. And uh, I think we're in a unique position mm. as comedians because our job is introspection and mm-hmm. to look at ourselves closely and examine ourselves and pick ourselves apart and share it with words. But that is not uh, a gift that everyone has, right? So yeah, for a actually, lot of people, yeah, okay. just yeah. looking at themselves and being able to communicate their personality is very difficult. 
That's that's actually probably the best defense of astrology that I've ever heard, where you're like, it's giving people sort of the vocabulary to discuss how yes. they feel and uh, their preferences and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, and their inner world. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can't. Today, it's total bullshit. What sign are you? <laughs> I'm also Virgo. The of course you are. <laughs> very last day, I believe. When's your birthday? September 22nd. Mine's August 26th. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Of course, we're both Virgos. (laughs) I guess we'd have to be within a month of each other. I guess that's how that works. Uh... (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think yeah, anything that gives people tools to talk about who they are inside is valuable. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I hadn't really thought about it like that, but like it has occurred to me on various like one thing I am not very good at is Mm -hmm. that uh, describing how I feel and Mm -hmm. like like like. A, a big problem I have is like sometimes I'll, it will take me, a, something will upset me and it'll take me a couple days to figure out what that was. Oh, I 100% relate to that. Yeah. So it's like in relationships that can be very tough because like you go like, yeah, you're acting weird and like. And you don't even know why. You know, and like, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. It's fine. And then like three days later, you're kind of like. Oh, figured when, out what that thing was when they said this <laughs> and then this happened and that made me feel mm-hmm. sad and therefore I didn't want to engage and that yeah. therefore and if you just had that conversation with the person being like hey so when you said this that was bad but three days later it feels like it's mm-hmm. like you're nitpicking or going back over something which is so it, may, it becomes this difficult thing where it's like things can tend to build up yes long term I totally that get way. that because you don't have um the ability to react in the moment. Like when that person says that thing, you aren't able to immediately go, Hey, you say you just said that thing and it made me feel like this. Right. Hear all of the words for how I am feeling and what reaction that caused in me. It takes you a while on your own to kind of go through that moment and unpack it and And process and identify your own emotions. What did I feel? And why did I feel that way? Yes. And then, uh, yeah, I totally get what you mean about like, it's difficult to go back to that three days later and be like, Hey, this thing that you said three days ago, here's my updated feelings about it. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I think that's where the communicating who you are generally becomes important because if your partner knows, Hey, it takes me a while to process things and identify my emotions. So I'll come back at you a couple days later with what I've found, mm. then they're able to not take that as nitpicking because they know already that that's just who you are. Yeah. And, and like, it kind of makes me enviable. So, so just to put, like, put a period on that, mm-hmm. it's like, so having those, those terms and that the, the way to describe how you're feeling is very, very important. Like, I think hangry is probably the best word that's ever been invented <laughs> this yeah, century because right? you're like, but are you hungry and angry? <laughs> oh, like I need to eat something <laughs> and I will feel better. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it kind of makes me um, envious or jealous of people who do just like freak out and yell. I know, like, right? Oh, people who know how to get angry. Yeah. Oh boy. Because there's also, <laughs> I think, an element of, in that moment, you're figuring out what it is that has made you upset. Yes. Right? Because you you have to address it right away. When someone goes, I'm fucking tired of eating at Subway. I'm so goddamn miserable all the time. You always bring me here like this isn't about Subway. And you have it out. Uh, yeah. Whereas like me, it's three days later being like, oh, you know, like that's actually it's. You. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember when I was mad at or up? acting all weird at subway well here's what it mm. actually was yeah it's 
Yeah. I wonder, like, I wonder for myself in regards to the, like, ha- uh, expressing anger, if part of that comes back to the people pleasing and wanting to be, like, steadily likable. Yes. That I see anger as, like, a negative emotion it's that a, will get in the way of how much people like me. <laughs> of course. You, <laughs> yeah. you are a disagreeable person. Exactly. Or you are difficult or you have... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which like, is an unfair judgment to put on anger. No. Uh, yeah. And if anything, I've had, had, I've dealt with, I wouldn't say like anger issues, but de- have been dealing with anger yeah. a lot over and realizing that's kind of my primary bad emotion. Right. Because you do worse things if you don't deal with anger. <laughs> yes. If you, if, you, if you get angry internally and don't express the anger in a healthy way on the outside, then you're going to end up doing way shittier behavior <laughs> as an outlet for your anger. You're going to be passive aggressive or uh, like sniping at your partner yeah, and stuff like that instead of just like, hey, express your anger in the moment. But yeah, it's hard when you're a person who doesn't process emotions immediately. Yep. Because you've so, got this lag time. Yeah, there's, there's the, the one moment I think where it all kind of like came out though for me was... Um, working my day job and th- there was, I had to commute like 30, 40 minutes outside of town mm-hmm. every day. So 30 minutes there, take like 45 minutes home. And for four commutes in a row, it took over two hours. Uh. And on the end of the fourth one, I was stuck on the highway, just like boxed in my car. And I felt an anger that I have never felt before. Like, it it felt like every cell in my body was like in nuclear meltdown. Mm-hmm. Like it would like like my entire body was burning at like a thousand degrees, and I sat there and I shook the car back and forth in traffic and yelled until my voice was raw. Mm-hmm. And I got home that night and like it was I just sat on the couch and it was like. Like every little bit of energy in every, like I can't even stress this enough, in every cell of my body, it, like it had burnt through. Yeah. Like, you know, like every reserve of energy I had in the whole thing had gone into like how angry I was mm-hmm. in that moment. And it was terrifying. And it's just, weird to see that side of yourself if you aren't tapped yeah. into your anger often. Yeah. Well, it's clearly like, you know, and that's what I mean. Like I've been coming to terms with and like trying to figure out words to express this because like I would, I I relive business emails that somebody sent me and I get upset about in the shower, right? Mm -hmm. I have fights with people that I haven't seen in like 10 years in my head all the time. And hypothetical arguments (laughs) that you never had the guts to have in the first place. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like that's my, that's my shower routine. It's like just go in there and I yell and I go, and then they'll say, and then Mm -hmm. I'll say, uh, (laughs) and it's, uh, yeah. And it's like, Oh, okay. That's my, that's my bad emotion. Like that's where I go to when things are not going well. I just, I get angry and it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not healthy. And like, there's other, you know, negative emotions are still emotions, but like there's, there's, there should be other outlets for that rather than immediately going to, to anger. Yeah. I would, I think though, like the danger of that, cause I think about anger in very much the same way. And I've been trying to kind of reframe the way that I look at it because I do like you have been, I categorize it as a negative emotion. Right. As like, I think it comes from like a practical point of view as well that I'm like, 
I don't see anger as a means to accomplishing anything. Yep. I don't see anger as being a productive emotion. I see it as stalling the productivity in like a conversation and reaching a like a successful endpoint yep. in a conflict that uh, if you get like, for example, if if you're in like a debate with somebody about something, if you get angry, you're the one who loses. Yes. Like, you lose your temper. You right. Yeah. So I have that kind of uh, picture for myself around anger. But I think the key is, is like uh, figuring out what a healthy expression of anger even looks like. Like, do you have anybody who was like in your life ever growing up who was uh, modeling a healthy expression of anger? I don't think so. Me either. I mean, like, you know, very kind of like reserved, just like play it close to the chest kind of parents and like, fam- yeah. you know, we've all kind of taken that for what it is like, yeah. not, you know, not in a bad way, but just. No, no, that's the thing, though. You know, like dad I- was mad. You yeah. You screwed up. Like yeah. you, you were so far down that hole. If Dad mm-hmm. got mad, I think that's that's something too. <laughs> that like, uh, do you find that you're very sensitive to if people are angry with yes. you? Oh God! Because in your mind, you're like, for me to get angry, it takes so much. So much has to have built up. Yeah, I have to be feeling so explosively angry for me to show any anger outwardly. That if someone is outwardly angry at me, my immediate assumption is that they feel as intensely as I would have to be to reach that level of anger. Yeah, which is not necessarily true because we've, as we've discussed, like people just react in the moment. Other people who have a different uh, relationship with anger. Well, and even culturally, I would say mm-hmm. is like having worked with. Um, some people of uh, different backgrounds, yeah, primarily totally. Italians. Italians, yes. <laughs> uh, they are very much in, they will, <laughs> it, it took me a while to realize, like I worked with a bunch of Italian guys in construction mm. and they would yell about anything, mm-hmm. drop of a hat. And what it took me a very long time to understand is they are yelling to show that they care. Yes. Right. I am yelling because I am emotionally invested in this Mm -hmm. and care about the outcome of it. Whereas by me not raising my voice, they're being like that guy. Like, doesn't care. Why doesn't he care? Why? Like, Mm -hmm. what? He doesn't know how important this is. Why wouldn't he care? So there's like a disconnect there of how you can express that. Um, And it took me a very long time to sort of figure that out because for me, if I ever yelled that much about like where you want to go for lunch on Friday. Like, si- like if I yelled that loudly, civilization has ended. Yeah. Do you understand? Like, yeah. I, I am like, get the shotgun shells and the bottled water. We're going into the valley and we're not coming out. Yeah, because if somebody's able, like, if somebody expresses their anger by, like, raising their voice or just being really direct about something, for them, their scale might be like, I do that when I get to a two on a scale of one to ten. Sure. How angry I am. And we're like, I don't even change my facial expression until I'm at 11. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so get so a if you're yelling, I don't eye. even know what number you're at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, when I do get angry, it is uh, unsettling for people because I let it out so little that even like a small expression of anger is very shocking. <laughs> yeah, and I've had to sort of walk it back sometimes where I was just like, Okay, this is how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. I made this request. I feel like that is very, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you're swallowing your words as you say it. Yep. But yeah, I mean, 
I guess, yeah, as long as you're not hitting anybody. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I think that what it comes down to, like, I'm still working on trying to figure out what a healthy expression of anger looks like. And it's uh, different for every situation and and every moment and stuff. But I think any expression of anger is healthy as long as you aren't uh, dumping your anger on someone else or taking your anger out on someone else. Expressing feelings of anger about something are fine as long as you aren't... Uh, cutting someone else down with your anger right like it's okay to yell about i'm feeling this way but it's not okay to yell about you are doing this you know Uh, as long as it's an expression of what you are feeling and it's personal statements about yourself and your own state then i feel like that's okay as long as you aren't uh labeling and pointing your anger at someone else hadn't really thought about that before you've clearly gotten further on this than i have (laughs) But yeah, that, that sounds good. That sounds reasonable. I'm working through it moment to moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And I also think in, 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 in terms of having language to describe things, I think two emotions that are very close are anger and frustration. Yes. And I'm not sure I could differentiate the two of them. Mm. Like as I'm sitting here thinking now, it's like, was I angry about that email or was I frustrated by that email? Very are they different. different? Are they the same? I don't, they feel the same. I think they're both different and the same at the same time. See, and that, yeah, that's why having the, that language is important, right? Where you can be like, I'm the hangry equivalent of frustrated and angry, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm fangry or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I've come up with a bunch of new words yeah. for all of the complex and mixed emotions. Because well, yeah. it's all just a cocktail, right? Well, it's like, and it's like colors, right? It's like the more words you have to describe colors. The more specific you can yeah. get about what color you're describing. That's like, a brilliant analogy. Yeah, there are no colors, really. It's an entire spectrum, yes. right, of like literally infinite colors yes that all bleed and flow into each other and into the next one exactly totally separate categories so like hungry and angry and frustrated are like probably i think somewhere near red yes (laughs) (laughs) you know man that would be so interesting to go through and uh, like match up emotional states with colors and then be able to describe yourself on a spectrum of color well i mean we do that being like i am feeling pink right now (laughs) we we do that already we go i'm feeling blue Oh, yeah, or like, I'm seeing red. Yes, it's very... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do it already. It's like, it's a weird... I don't know why... It's like temperature. It's like when you're angry, you're hot. And Mm -hmm. like, when you're like calm, you're cool. Like, it's a a weird... Also something that's a spectrum. Like, it's just... Yeah, just all these words that we have to use to describe how we're feeling. It's super Mm -hmm. weird. Super weird. Oh, man. Yeah. We are so alike. <laughs> yeah, we've had conversations like this before where yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're. <laughs> we're on a very similar wavelength. Yeah, I think. We're, we're fighting the same fights. Ooh, okay. Going back to um, needing time to process before you're able to put words to things, I recently found my kindergarten report card. <laughs> okay. And, and it is so eerie how much it is just describing who i am now and one of the things that it said on this report card was uh tracy gives thoughtful answers to questions but requires time on her own to come up with an answer that she deems satisfactory (laughs) and i was like oh boy (laughs) 
I was like, Mrs. McDermott, that was insightful. You had me pegged from day one. And, uh, oh, that's super interesting. I wonder. It's not even time to come up with the right answer. It's time to come up with an answer that she deems satisfactory. That's crazy. I really wonder what mine would say now. Oh, although, okay, I don't, I I was on some weird medication, so I don't really have a lot of memories like pre, like, Mm-hmm. kindergarten grade one kind of uh but i do remember this one thing and i think this is so me uh it's unbelievable so like i remember it was easter and we had to like color in these like um this like printed off like a chick like the little baby chick right so we had to color it yellow and then we had to cut it out and we had to like paste on something that mm-hmm. was like the craft we were doing in kindergarten and i was sitting there with a yellow crayon and i just was back and forth right over top of it, paying no attention to lines whatsoever. And I remember the teacher coming up to me and going like, oh, that's very good, but you should try and keep it within the lines. Try coloring within the lines. And I go, why would we keep it within the lines? We're just going to cut it out. Yes! (laughs) She looked at me. And I remember her not saying anything and just walking away. (laughs) Because the logic is perfectly sound. Yes. She's like, oh, you're already thinking in two, like, in in fourth dimension. Like, you're being like, well, (laughs) like negative space, I guess is what that is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm subtracting material away from things that I was like, okay, that's that's who I am now. And you're like, uh, this is an unnecessary expenditure of energy to focus on coloring within the lines when yeah. that is unnecessary, given that the next step of this process is, is to, to cut, cut it out. Sheet of paper. Yeah. But and <laughs> you're then, a precocious little kid. <laughs> and the other thing was learning to skate. Uh, they would, um, they would like, you know, put your helmets on and you'd like hold on to that like chair and they'd be like, okay. And like scoot your little butt down the ice. Right. Mm-hmm. And my parents were trying to get me to go and they're, they're like, you know, just, just, take the chair and like skate down to the other end of the rink. And I said, what's the point? They're just going to make me skate back, which is absolutely <laughs> true. Same logic. But in that mm-hmm. case, I'm not learning a valuable skill. And yes. I think both are true. Like coloring between the lines is a valuable skill to have yes. because eventually you're going to need to do that. Yes. Skating to one end of the rink is a valuable skill to have, but I'm outsmarting it, so yes. I don't have to do it. Exactly. But that being said, I was a dumb kid. I don't know why those are the two <laughs> things. That... Oh, man. I relate to that so hard. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those little processes that seem unnecessary in the moment, like coloring within the lines, uh, the reason why you're doing that in kindergarten is to develop fine motor skills. Yes. Right? But you're like, no, I'm working on my logic skills right now. (laughs) Who cares about these fine motor skills? And I am a 34-year-old man who has never learned to color between the lines. That's how I roll, everybody. Scribbly Craig. That's what we call you. Sign within box, not on my watch. Sign all through and around box. You're not going to be able to scan this later and my mortgage is going to be denied. Oh, Scribbly Craig. Also, I don't have a mortgage. Uh, How do you feel? Do you have more that you want to talk about about fear? How are you feeling? Um, let's see, like, uh, well, maybe just do a quick rundown and and see if any of these jump out of you. Uh, so I think we said, uh, uh, no, no one thinks of me for shows and no one thinks of me at all, which are both kind of like the same sort of thing. Just like follow up, right? Mm -hmm. A bunch of these things are like, just follow up, man. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, after 12 years, I'm still mediocre and incapable of headlining, which if you don't know, headlining is kind of like the ultimate thing that you can do where you're the, the main show. Um, uh, no one talks about me behind my back. Okay, we covered that one. Oh, I'm not one of the cool kids. I'm not one of the people who gets things or are thought of or promoted as being funny by the community, mm. which again is that one actually was that one was a tougher one to deal with. Yeah. A lot of your fears are uh, outward about other people's perception of you. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. lot of a lot of it is like I don't feel affirmed by my outside world. That I don't feel uh, a sense of affirmation by having somebody respond to my email as if I'm important. Or I don't feel affirmed by knowing that other people talk about me when I'm not there. Yeah, that, yeah it's a lot of... Uh, yeah, it's a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah, it's a lot of outward <laughs> outward searching for uh, praise and approval. <laughs> or as we call it, stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're searching for praise and approval. Please laugh at me. This is all I have. You know uh, what I think about? I think about like comedians who are like, and I don't think that this is a good attitude to have. I'd like to preface it with that. But yeah. comedians who get off stage after not doing well and and they just don't give a shit. So they just get get off stage after not doing well and they're like, wasn't because I wasn't funny. It's because the audience didn't get it. Or like <laughs> something like that, like uh, comedians yeah. who are who blame the audience. There's a part of that, even though I don't think that that's a valuable way to go at it. And I don't think you'll get better by continually doing that. There's a part of me that's so envious of people who feel that way, because if I don't do well, I blame none of it on the audience and I blame all of it on myself and my own value. <laughs> yeah. I would say the audience is never wrong, except for when they are. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's a full quote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They didn't find you funny. They didn't find you funny, except for mm. these fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what their problem is. Uh. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, having done this assignment now, uh, and I know that you only finished doing it, this response to your fears earlier today. But yeah. how do you think that this will impact your feeling about these fears going forward? I think it'll help. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I, I've run through exercises like this before um, where you kind of like you write out the fear and you are like, how bad could it possibly be? Mm-hmm. And like just kind of one noticing like how many of them are, as you said, based in in what's essentially one fear. Yeah, the commonality between them. Yeah, uh, helps a lot. And also just like, well, yeah, but what are you doing to change this or to make sure that doesn't happen. Like, for example, following up on an email Mm -hmm. and then be like, oh, sorry, I missed that. I'd love to have you on the show. Like, feels so rewarding. So, like, like kind of there's work that I can do personally to to stay ahead of that Mm -hmm. and feel good about the fact that, you know, if I send out 10 emails and six people get back to me after I've followed up, that's still going to feel really good, right? Like, I've still done that yeah the role that you can play in getting ahead of these fears yeah Mm -hmm. i think they are all manageable and yes you know um i think there's always going to be stuff where you know you get in your own head and of course um, it's just being a human yeah yeah and i think the key is just figuring out the way to see that like you're not going to be crushed under the weight of any of these fears no no yeah all right. Well, um, I think I'd like to end by giving you some genuine compliments. Because oh. um, one thing uh, that helps to boost your happiness is connection with others. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think you're really great. Oh, thanks, Tracy. And that's, that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you. I feel like uh, every time we get to talk, 
by the end of the conversation, I'm like, man, we, I wish we had more time to keep talking. Yeah. Even right now, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't even know how long this has run. Like, we could keep going for like hours and hours. We're running out of tape. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that uh, that you are a very talented comedian. Oh, thank you. I think that you are a skilled writer, regardless of what process goes behind it. Um, which sounds very similar to my process, by the way. But that's a story for another episode. Um, but yeah, you are, you're funny, you're likable beyond like a natural degree, even no. you are just, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I usually describe it as like, uh, you'd see light in people and you are just like one of those people that's just pure light. You are just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> really, I just like, like everything in my gut and intuition uh, has always just immediately said about you, like, you are a quality person oh. who is, like, worth knowing and worth being around and probably adds quite a bit uh, to all of the lives that you touch. Gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. That's like, uh, that is... Uh, I, that is, is very nice. It's one of those... <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to take a compliment, isn't it? Is it is hard to take a compliment, but, like, it's it's one of those compliments that, like, it really feels meaningful because, like, of, I don't know, the specifics of it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Where you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, you, that that was much better than good show. Or I yeah, think right. you're funny. <laughs> I think you're funny. Or, like, I see a light in you and you are a quality person to have. It's like, that that goes pretty far. So, uh, th- uh, thank you. Humbly, thank you. You're uh, welcome. You're, you're also great. I don't. Thank you. You are in no, in no way obligated to give me a compliment as well. Yeah, but, uh, I, I could not come up with something that eloquent. But yeah, just so. wanted you to know that. Oh, well, thank you. That really, that uh, warmed my soul. Thank oh, you very much. You're welcome, Scribbly Craig. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Scribbly Craig forever. Yes, you are. That's your permanent nickname now. All right, well, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you. Um, and to the listeners, go be nice to yourself and remember that love is everywhere. <laughs>